on the tee, Jack Nicholas. This is the minute that millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory. Welcome back to, to another episode of the Bogeyman Golf Podcast with Michael and Johnny. Johnny, how are you? I'm a bit fluey, actually, to be honest with you. I've got this cold, uh, but I'm good other than that. I feel actually, just it, I'm not going to lie. I feel like absolute crap. <laughs> I, feel ter- I feel terrible. I like, I'm not going to lie. There is man flu going around. Um, and the idea that it hits men harder, I think, is, is 100% scientific fact. Um, That's a fact. Facts. It's a fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, uh, well, yeah, I haven't really thought beyond feeling brutal, if I'm completely honest with you. Uh, but yeah, like it's been it's been a very, very busy week or so since we spoke on the podcast last um we've i went down to mint juliet with calloway uh to their performance center to get fit for an entirely new bag of irons which uh today is new irons day they arrived today i'm very 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 excited like i i think every golfer whether you're a a really high handicapper like me or you're you're a scratch golfer or you've been playing for 15 20 years i think it matters new clubs new gear it's just even pros. I mean, we've spoken to pros for when they they say when they get there, the message from wherever the sponsor is to go right. We need to go get this fitting in your new stuff. It's just unbelievable that it's like you go straight to back being a five year old on Christmas Day, and like I can guarantee, you know, your missus has been stepping over your golf bag because you keep leaving it so you can look at your irons <laughs> and play with them and been like chipping in the living room and polishing the top of them every shot. Like I think everyone gets new gear is just the best. Yeah, new golf gear is just is unbelievable. And we're lucky that obviously Callaway are, are looking after us with, with this gear. So it's just it's extra special as well, because you know that like it's it's the newest of the new. And like so we went to I went to my Juliet, Matt Sandercock, who he knows my game at this point very, very well. He knows he knows my misses, he knows what, what I need to work on. He put me through my paces. Um and I'd say like this is the first time I've actually really felt like quote unquote like a golfer. You know, I was about to say, did you feel like like a big pro and like with all the stats and him stand like obviously I've seen the video and like, but did you feel like oh like I, I'm on tour and I'm a pro and I'm really good like the little little make believe but the make believe for like thirty minutes to be like yeah no I am really important and everyone really cares about my my <laughs> slice and my push and whatever. Oh, I don't know if I felt like a pro, but I'd say that like I felt like a golfer in the sense that. I, I'm actually for the first time in a long, long time, I say ever actually, comfortable with my swing. Like I've obviously got fitness before. We've done we've done lessons with my Juliet and with Matt before and like we've gone through the trackman side of things and the and the actual data. But I'd say this is the first time that I've like I felt most consistent with my swing and like it's most repeatable. You saw we've played we've played golf now twice in the last month or so. Like we played McCredden, which we're going to talk about. And for the through the first seven holes, I think I was like one over. Yeah, so you're off, off, really off of my ball. Like I'm playing, I'm playing some good golf at the moment. Um, it's not the best swing in the world. It's certainly not the prettiest swing in the, in the world. But like I'm swinging naturally and within myself, and I'm confident in like my shape and my miss, and knowing that like it's going to hit this type of shot apex at this length, even in the in the the fitting. 
for, for one of the very first questions was, you know, how far do you hit your seven iron? Like, can you tell me that number like off the top of your head? And I told him the number, hit six shots, and that it went that exact number. Having the confidence knowing, like, right, I can hit these numbers with X, Y, Z club, gave me a lot of confidence. And I felt like, yeah, like, I I would say, obviously, you look at what the pros do and the golf that the pros play or like elite amateurs play is very different to the level of golf that you and I play. But it's the first time that I actually (laughs) felt like, you know, I wasn't playing something that resembled golf. I've actually, I'm playing golf at the moment, which is, which is nice. And actually like your swing at the moment, I think it's from, I would obviously, I'd watch your swing a lot and I'd be behind even a phone or something watching. And it's, I would, I would classify that you are playing golf, not playing your swing at the moment. Which is re- is like that's the way I'd say it is like yeah. yeah it's you're not looking am I in the slot am I at this angle you know I can see your mind's not working on that you're working on going I want to put the ball just in that general area of the fairway and like, give me another sh-. like so I think that's definitely I think that's probably where you play your best golf is when you like you jump back to I know before we jump in a bit here but you jump back in the bogey at one stage and you were like oh sweet it's just on the angle I wanted to come in like if I push this next shot I'll still be okay because I won't be in trouble but if I was on the left side and for the last few whiles. The last last few while you've been talking about the swing more yeah. than where the ball's going, which I think is is it's a big shift um if for you. I think that's the way you play your best golf is when you're playing the game. That's probably an obvious thing to say, but yeah, for sure. But so mapping me through my paces and like I, I've never really been a big gear head. Like David beforehand, he was the gear guy and mm. he was really into that. And I find that probably as you get better at the game, you become more aware of it uh, as to what like different shafts do, where the, where the torque in the shaft makes a big difference. Even if you have like two shafts of the same weight, where the the flex is makes a big difference. And that, that for me was the first time where I was like, okay, like I can understand what you're saying. Whereas beforehand it was, don't tell me the numbers. I don't understand. Just give me the club. I'll try hit it and see what happens. But uh, it was really, really good. And, like we've been talking lows before and before we we knew that I was getting this fitting that the new Callaway Apex Pro Series irons are just they look amazing. They look so cool. They do look so cool. So I was so um, excited going into this and like going into the fitting, it probably went into it the wrong way because I had an idea of what I wanted and now whether that was going to, what was going to work for me or not. What you is, you uh, definitely went in too giddy. You probably went in too giddy and excited nearly. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, no, I'd be exactly the same. Like, so you can watch that that full fitting on our YouTube channel now. So by the time this comes out, it'll it'll this, the video will be live on our YouTube channel. It's worth a watch. It's just under twenty minutes long, but it goes into such such specific details, and it's pretty easy to follow in terms of like we put graphics on there, so you know exactly like what head I'm hitting, what the uh, the shaft length is like, what the lie angle is like, and all that stuff. So it's it's really, really good. Yeah, um, I also I also say, like, for that video, I think is, like, I obviously learned a lot, because, like, again, I wouldn't know shaft length, and, like, even when I'm using your driver now, and it's making a difference in the weight of it, and I, I still don't really get it. But in that video, I think it was pretty cool. It was, like, I think everyone, no matter whatever, like, especially for me, high angle, but you take something from your swing and the way you're doing it. Like, I was learning stuff for different things where I go, okay, because like you don't have a a plus seven DP World Tour swing, you have yeah. a very good golfer swing, but it's you know it makes sense to the rest of us. So I think that video was pretty cool in looking at that side of it. 
Yeah, and I think to be fair to Matt, like he's he's an incredibly good fitter because he'd look at a number and goes, right, like your spin number is a little low. We can, it's sitting sitting at like five seven, five thousand seven hundred revs. Optimum for a player of your caliber is six thousand. And so if you don't know that and you you hear that, you go, okay, cool. Like as well as like he's talking about like launch angles and all that stuff and. And if you don't understand that, if you're not into that, it can be very, very daunting. But mm. yeah, Matt's really, really good at just breaking it down, being like, you need X type of launch angle because the amount of spin that you get, you can't have the ball bounce and then release. You need it to drop and stop pretty fast because of how much spin you get or how much, how high the ball okay, is okay, flying yeah, or how sense. low the ball yeah. might be flying. So it's really good. At, he's really good at explaining basically like your the different settings for how you hit the golf ball need to be optimized in X, XYZ way. But um, it was just, it was a lot of fun. And so we go through, do we want to talk through the bag or do you have any questions for me on the actual fit in itself? Cause you were, you weren't there. No, I wasn't there. I just think like, I mean, there's a couple of things that like, I will always say with you, like I even hit your old irons the other day. We, we were messing around. I hit one of them and like, they felt very different to my irons there so like is there a massive change in like the weight or the like i'm going to go the i'm going to simplify it. weight um flex i think flex um you know heads or anything what is the biggest the, give me the kind of biggest changes that the, that he's gone okay this is what suits you um and has there been that many changes there's actually been a lot of changes like actually like a huge amount of changes yeah um where to start so let's start with the, what the three heads are that are on offer in the Apex Pro Series first. So you kind of get an understanding of what, what different players will get fit, fit into. So there are the Apex, in the, within the Apex Pro Series, there are the Apex Pros, the Apex CBs, and the Apex MBs. The Apex MBs are for like the elite of the elite golfers. We didn't even okay. look at them for me. Yeah. Like <laughs> we, we, we did not even look at that. Then there's the CBs who are like your your good players, low single figure handicap players, lead amateurs. And are they are they more are they more bladey? They're more bladey. They okay, wouldn't okay, be yeah, full yeah. blades, but they would okay. be, have a much smaller top line. So you yeah, wouldn't okay, look down yeah. at it and see like a chunky enough. Back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Makes sense. Then there's the Apex Pros who are they're the most forgiving iron. I don't want to say that you're high handicap iron because so, like, yeah, Matt, more... Matt himself was saying that he plays a mixed bag with some pro apex pros in it and apex CVs. Okay. So, so it's, it's a bit of a mix so that you've got, oh, that makes a lot of sense to be honest. Yeah. So there are different combos that you can get. So that would be like, so he, he would have like an apex pro and like his five iron, six iron type of thing. And then he would go down to CBs, which are more of a player iron, less forgiving from about seven iron to uh, pitching wedge slash 10 iron, which we'll also talk about. Okay. okay. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So there's, so there's also one really good thing that, that Manjulia offer and, and a lot of places do offer now and Callaway offer it is you can get blended bags. So like what Matt has, where you have like your pros and the higher end of your bag down to your CBs and then to your MBs. Well, so that, that makes a lot of sense because your four and five are like, especially if you feel like me, you're hitting a four and a five iron is completely different hitting an eight iron. It's so much harder. It's so, so much harder. harder. So, yeah. so why would you not have more, you forgiveness, know, absolutely. forgiveness? And and if you're hitting a, you know, a five iron, you're way further out. So you don't need to be as precise, really. So that, to be fair, that is that's an interesting kind of take, and that makes a lot of sense. Sure. So with my paradigm driver, you know that I went, uh, I went a little bit longer and a little bit lighter in that shaft. I went half an inch longer, and I went about ten grams lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then, then my then old, previous one. Yeah, then my yeah. old setup. And so in my new setup for irons, 
it's quite similar actually. So I've gone a half an inch longer in all of my clubs. Okay. And so I got fit for a combo sim very, very similar to what Matt Sandercock has. So I went with, instead of a four iron, I went with the apex utility iron, which is kind of like a driving iron, but it's, it's four iron again, and it's quite chunky. It's got a little bit of that, that cavity back and a bit of forgiveness okay. on the back of it. I went five grams lighter in all of my shafts. And is so, that because you're swinging slower? Yes, swinging, swinging slower and smoother. Okay. Um, and there's basically with, with the heavier shafts, the heavier the shaft, the more you really have to hit it to get the most out of the, the club. Now, oh, I mean, okay. if you're, if you're naturally swinging very fast, like you do, like you, yeah. you have a much, your, your baseline speed is much higher than mine. Yeah. Um, so you, you would need benefit. I think that's where you were saying when you hit my irons the other day in Sigmoid HQ, sure. you really liked them because I, did, yeah, I, yeah. I would say they, you're, felt, they felt more powerful. I would you know, say your irons I, are currently too flexy for you. Yeah, I was there either second hand off of like I was I was in helping McGurks and they were just sitting there to take it as I get it. Like that's that's my bag at the moment. Yeah. Uh, but I mean that's always when you when you do when you do like I, I can't justify spending that much money on a good clubs when I'm a 17 handicapper. Like it's just of course. For that's that's very, very fair. So I went five grams lighter. So I have a S three hundred one fifteen gram dynamic gold shaft. So dynamic gold, people might like know the that phrase or know that, that name of a shaft. That's like the the most popular uh, iron shaft on tour. You, you'd see it in your, like, like you see variations of the dynamic gold in Rory's bags and everyone's mm -hmm. bag, basically. Half an inch longer in the shaft, basically that was because I have a tendency to just jump a little bit when I when I strike the ball, particularly yeah, with my, I can with see my that. bad strikes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so he was just saying like, you know, you're, you're probably never going to stop that jump so no. um the a half an inch longer just means you can just turn through it a little bit more you don't feel like you have to kind of like really go at it okay. and then with the 23 degree i've gone one degree flatter brought that down one degree just to get uh, a bit more of a piercing ball flight basically like if you're to try and play like links golf or you're playing in the wind you don't want to launch it too high because obviously the wind takes it and just takes the golf ball for the ride. So you want to just pierce the wind a little bit more. And so that's what okay. I went. Uh, I actually went one degree flat in all of my irons across the bag. Okay. Then it went then into my Apex Pros for my five and six irons. So like we talked about earlier, blended bag, very similar to what Matt has. Actually pretty much identical to what, what Matt has. So um, again, the S300s, 115 grand dynamic golds, half an inch longer and then the one degree flat, but this is just the apex five iron, six iron. So again, you're up, up higher in the bag, harder mm -hmm. clubs to hit, bit more forgiveness. Um, and that's kind of like the thicker top line. Then we move into the apex CBs, which I was like, this is what I wanted. I'll go, yeah. into, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, I went into this being like, I want a blended bag. I want that pro going into the CB. Uh, some of that was ego and Matt pretty much caught that straight away when we, in the last in the like, he was just like not so fair like it is like you, you like yeah like bro this the reason we all pick stuff is because we want to look like a player we want to be a player we don't want to look like someone doesn't know what they're doing like even even with shoes so like I, I don't I'm not gonna hammer you because of that like uh, like I want because I think that's a fair thing we do the same thing with even what polos we wear sure. and stuff like so I you know I, I I don't think that's a, a bad thing and fair play to you for being honest yeah. <laughs> and so, like we we went through various different combinations for the pros before we, i was like 
was like, are we even looking at the CVs today? And he was just like, uh, he's like, look, we'll do it for like curiosity, but you know, we don't tend to fit players for what they want. We we fit them for what yeah, their numbers dictate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then to be fair, we we went into the CB in the seven iron, and you lose a little bit of like maybe like five or so yards of distance, but that's made up by better players kind of center striking the golf ball a bit more. So mm-hmm. I guess there's probably a little bit of work from for me to get that five yards or so back. But my biggest thing, and we were saying this in the video, is like. My distance control, like I was saying, is very good. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I need to hit a seven iron, 170 yards, that's a straight seven iron, no bother. What we were working on is my dispersion. So basically with my, with my old clubs, I hit six shots first, seven iron. And he was like, you hit the green three out of six times. And he was like, for a six handicap, that's shite. <laughs> so yeah. that's basically what he was yeah, saying. So he's like, we need to bring that dispersion in. And so what he actually found was if I went into the CBs in the seven iron to 10 iron, again, same shaft, 115 grams, dynamic gold, stiff, half an inch longer, one degree flat. But with the, with the CBs, the, they were launching a little bit higher. So okay. we actually just knocked the loft down on them two degrees to again, just give it that bit more of a piercing ball flight. I think the coolest thing is like, obviously we were in Sigmoid HQ while we were, the two of us were trying to outdrive each other. Um, and like I was trying to absolutely burst the ball and you were swinging within yourself and you had me by 10, 15 yards. And I was going like my, my speed was like through the roof. But I suppose with this, you go, you don't need to go after the ball because everything is suited to you. Yeah. And how for you to get the, the right shot, you know, is your swing where I'm now going, I'm going to give a little bit extra. I'm going to go after this. Whereas, if, you know, with you, it's like, no, no. If I go after it, it's not going to make a difference. I need yeah. to swing my swing because everything is playing for me. And you were 10, 15 yards ahead of me. So I think, I suppose that from a golfer's point of view, if you're in the back of your mind going, I don't have to hit this seven iron heart. I, you know, I don't have to do anything. I just play because I've, I've got all the data that's there with me. I just go and play. It's probably a nice part of inside your back of your mind going, everything suits me. Everything's here, which is where it must be a nice thing to have. There's like, there's so much ego I find when, uh, you know, when you step up on like a part three and everyone's like, oh, what are you hitting here? You're hitting like a six, yeah. iron, you're hitting like an yeah. eight iron or hitting like a nine iron. And someone turns around and goes, yeah, I'm hitting like a five. <laughs> and there's so much ego with that. But I think that with, with this new, new set of irons in particular, I just got to be comfortable knowing that like, okay, just my go numbers, up a club. Yeah. Go my up numbers, club my and hit, and yeah. hit the same way, but go up a club and you'll be all right. Um, yeah. And I think once you kind of park that, that's absolutely fine because but yeah, I suppose, yeah I, i'd do that i'd be at the back of the green or off right in the hat in the bunker and you've had you've hit a one club more than just sitting three foot from the hole it's not really a competition then yeah and like that's i think i think that's that's a big learning from from these things these fittings in particular is you get yeah. a good scope of your of your game and where it's at and it's always good having someone completely objective to turn around and go you got to do this instead. Like also, these are the also, clubs. Yeah. This is what the clubs are saying. You got to just do this. Stop trying yeah. to kill one. Yeah, and also he knows what he's talking about. Like he's an he's an expert. So I think the, there's no point me standing beside you and leopard saying, "Going, I think you need to do like <laughs> with, you know, with the blind leading the blind." You know, whenever like so, so there's someone to go. No, just stop thinking that. Just do this. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's that makes sense. Yeah, so I'm I'm really excited for the for those new irons to come out. Like during the during the video, you'll see at one point because I asked him, I was like, "Oh, are we gonna go into the CBs?" And Matt, Matt 
to be fair, was probably a little apprehensive because he was like, I don't know what, like, <laughs> if these are right for you. Yeah. But then the numbers came out good and he was just like, yeah, look, we'll just strengthen the lofts a little bit and you'll be all good. And, and you're, you're, you're striking it very well. Spin rates were good. Apex and your flight was good as well. To the point where, like, I turned around at one point when Matt said that, and I get the camera a little fist bump. I was delighted because, mm-hmm. like, that's again, that's your, that, that's your ego. You're like, I want to now be able to turn around, like, show you, like, oh, yeah, I've got, like, you know, players club because Callaway actually, I saw they released, like, you can buy, like, all these sets online. So if you have your fit in, you can go to callawaygolf.com if you know your specs and stuff, and you can just buy them direct. Oh, that's pretty cool. But then okay. they have the combo, which is the one that I've got, which is called the yeah. players combo. And oh, you love like, that! Oh, oh the players combo, so nice. yeah, yeah. But, but then there's funny. like there's one again, which is then which has like the it starts with the Apex CBs and goes into the Apex MBs, and I call like yeah. the elite combo, and you're like, that's different gravy. But like you like, there's definitely that ego part where you're like, yeah, I've, I've got a players combo. Like I'm, I'm a player. It's okay, the same thing. Like and like, it's one of the things I, I kind of jumped up. But even our our head cover, our head driver head cover, and our towel. You were very adamant on what towel we should get because you know this is a good towel and I don't want, you know, this, and it was, cause that's what, that's a good player's towel. And even when like, I've been messaging, we've been talking about gear or whatever, you're like, no, no, I like those shoes. Cause they go with those trousers. Cause they're like, you know, then you, you don't wear, I'd like, and, you, and like, I will, we always said that you had the, um, the joggers and you're like, no, no, I don't wear those shoes with those joggers. Cause they're not players of wear the joggers. It has to be with these type of shoes. Cause you know, and I think we're all like that. We all have our favorite hats, our favorite polos. We always like to like, we, we we don't we pick bags on what like so i don't think i think we it, we all do it so just oh, yeah. you know, i think it's not an issue at all Being into um, it. yeah 100% um so i geez, I, I would actually be shocked now if Matt Sanger sees a couple of my swings and looks at the spin rate is off the charts <laughs> like when you hit that shot at a right angle i don't know how you were managing you should what are you doing um i probably yeah, he look, probably he look at you for a fitting and go man you need a lesson not a fitting yeah <laughs> you need you need a new swing let's forget about this fitting yeah um, but uh yeah so they arrived today i'm really really excited for for them um i don't have my, much golf booked in but i'm gonna i'm gonna book a bit <laughs> you can be sure i'm gonna book a bit of golf in now over the next few days but uh, yeah. aside from that like i'm playing actually quite a lot of golf at the moment who usually getting at least once a week and then heading off to Abu Dhabi in six weeks. Playing very, Abu Dhabi very jealous. I'm oh. very jealous. I'm very jealous. Like, I'm going to be literally, I want my phone blown up the whole time you're over there with photos and stuff because it's, it just, it just seems like just such a cool place for golf. And I know a few people have been there and they just think it's, it's just insane. I can't wait. So I went there last year, played Abu Dhabi Golf Club with Amy Conda and Thomas Gracie. But now I'm going back again. I'm going to play with, with both of those pros. Got to play Abu Dhabi and Sadiat Beach Golf Club, which I've never played Sadiat before. I've heard it's absolutely beautiful. So very, very excited for that. So yeah, look, going to bring the new irons to, to Abu Dhabi, put them to the test and we'll see. Hopefully it, uh, hopefully the handicap continues to come down now in, in the next season. I'm sure it will. Brand new irons, you have no excuse now. I know, that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. New driver. I'm running out of excuses. Yeah, yeah you've all new gear. No, no excuses now. We played McCredden then, so that was that was very different, kind of to, to Abu Dhabi. It was uh, opposite, it was I'd say. Yeah. wet, very wet. Uh, it was a scramble. It was, it, was, it was enjoyable. Like I think, I'm always wrapping hands with these scrambles because you know, every time I see someone who wins one, this, their score is like they birdied eighteen holes. Like yeah, know? it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. I think we did okay. We were we didn't we didn't set anything on fire. Um, I don't like. 
Like we scored 80 points, which like probably 10, 10 worse if you're playing a game of even fives. Like you won't go to five points per hull if, you, if you're taking two scores to count, which we were. But the winning team had 100 points, something like over 100 points, which like there would, I don't, I did not think that there was 100 points out there in the conditions that we were playing in. There was a few yeah. rainstorms. Obviously, it was just after really bad weather. The golf course was closed the day before. Honestly, it was so wet that, you know, probably shouldn't have been open, but it yeah, was still it was fun nonetheless. Like. It was. And the, green, like the greens held up pretty well, to be fair. You know, I thought I thought the greens held up like fairways were a bit wet. Um, but it's uh, it's such a quirky course down with Creighton, isn't it? Like there's, they've got some really like funky holes, like uh, that part three. Is it the, the one where you're hitting pretty much off a cliff? Which one is this now? So, uh, it's 170 yards, but it could be a pitch and wedge in the right weather. Oh yeah, the, yeah, that massive downhill part three. Downhill yeah. part three, yeah, and then the unbelievable the... shots of that. Oh, did yeah, and like I, the funny thing about it, we were saying is every shot you hit on that, you're like, oh, it's all over it, and then when you realize this, the, the then your perception then of where it is, you're like, oh, I'm so short, but like I was eyeing the flag the entire time I hit that. Uh, it's like, think... it like three or four foot away. It was re- it was actually a really really good really good shot. I think I missed the putt though. That was the problem. That's possibly, <laughs> possibly true. Possibly true. Uh, and then I think the the twelve is it the twelfth the the is it the twelfth? Then with the big drive hook around with the tree in the middle of it. Oh yeah, you with two hundred and sixty yard carry to the, yeah. the upper part of the fairway, and I drove it two hundred and sixty one yards. Thankfully, we had uh, Killian had a, had another drive which is about two eighty or so, so we were plenty, yeah. we were fine. Yeah, but so I was uh, very nervous when I hit that two hundred and sixty-one like, yard drive. It, you hit it, and I was like, "It's either like just perfect." I was like, "Because there's the path running along there," and I was like, "I didn't see it hit the path." So I was like, "You're either an inch over the path, or you're gone." Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was good fun, I think. And the scramble, a scramble is good when, when when people haven't played that much, you know, which yeah. is kind of nice. We all GM just to pick your ball and go, "Okay, yeah, we'll take your drive." Happy days, um, which was good. It was, it was it was very enjoyable. The two lads decided to walk. McCredden, my advice if you ever play McCredden, take the extra take 20 quid and yeah. take a buggy. Um, I don't know how they were able to walk the next day because it's a long walk. And like McCredden's a funny one, like it's it's a, it is a classic Celtic Tiger era golf club. There are yeah. some homes still on the golf course that are like the copper has been stripped from the from the ceiling and stuff like that, and they're just abandoned houses, which is. You know, it's funny. It's a funny one to walk to to walk around to drive around where you're driving up a fairway and there's just random abandoned houses because the financial crash. Like it's it's a it's a stark reminder of the financial crash. Like the clubhouse is still a porta cabin, but yeah. it's it's a great it's a great golf course for its value. Like it was forty quid for us to play with a buggy, buggy, and like. Right. You know, you get a you get a nice sunny day like today when it's when it's dry enough. It actually is a it's a fantastic golf course and it's a really good test. Like Paul McGillian designed, like there are a lot of big carries. It's a long course and yeah. it's an undulating golf course. Like you were saying, do not walk that golf course. No, no definitely not. And like it's a very enjoyable to play. And like you're in a four ball, it's very enjoyable because there's funky shots to hit and you know it's we 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 had a good laugh with the lads. Yeah, it was good. It was. Um, I thought say, we were going to do better than than so did I. I think just took a year hit. I can't remember how old it was now. Maybe it was the thirteenth. You hit a three wood. Oh yeah, par five. Three wood, three wood. Three wood, the two double three woods. Yeah, went three wood, three wood, and then two putted for my birdie on that, and that was 
That was like so a good. Massive, massive dog leg. And those two of the best three ones I've actually ever hit in my life. And what I'm actually most proud of with both of those was I hit a draw off the tee and then a fade into the green. It was just like shaping in both ways. Who, who is and this the, guy? I, that's what I was saying because I'm not going to say you needed both shapes to get it in. And then I followed you up. I tried to hit a three wood and I hit a beautiful cut three wood. But I didn't aim left enough and I was in the shit. <laughs> if I had aimed five yards left, I would have been on with you. I was like, I don't believe this. Um, but yeah, no, that was yeah, I was I was it was it was good. Uh, relying on you as a low on ever was, was was quite handy though. To be fair, I got to play some shots from places I would normally get to play. Yeah, we've been playing a lot of golf actually recently. I guess I've been playing a lot of golf recently because I I went and visited the Port Marnock Resort and the newly branded or newly renamed Jameson Golf Links. So that is a um, such such a treat. Obviously, we played we've played it before. We you've played yeah, we played the, the, the summer, yeah. Um, we played it during the summer. So I played the course with director of golf, Paul McCanny, and he talked me through like the features of the new holes. The the par three ninth is possibly my favorite hole. Uh, uh, definitely my favorite hole in the golf course. Visually, it's it's just stunning. It's, but it's, it's one yeah. of my favorite holes kind of, I'd say, along the east coast of Ireland. It's, it's just I a think, great hole. I think when you're standing on a tee box and you have nearly like a nearly 360 view of the golf course, um, so even before you take your tee shot, like you're standing there and you can see like literally the routing of the golf course and you're going, oh, wow. Oh yeah, I agree with you. Um, and then like, that's a, that's a, you're one of your, fa- I think that's probably your favorite type of green. Yeah. So the beer, it's beer, it's green, which is just like, it's a, for people that don't, aren't quite as into golf architecture as, as I might be, which I probably understand is 99% of the population. <laughs> <laughs> a beer, it's green is when it's um, basically like it's, it's a, not a higher tier on the left and right hand side of the green and then a dip in the middle um so if you miss the green in the wrong part you either have a put down a slope into the middle part of the green or, or if you miss in the middle of the green you've got a tough uphill put onto a sec higher tier now there is also because of the ninth green in particular that green is massive that mm. you can miss on the entirely wrong side of the green and have a downhill and uphill put just to get from one side of the green to where the pin is. It's a great hole. It's, it's, I'm not describing it properly, but it's just, it's such a good test. And it, it, for for good players, when the pin is on one of those tiers, whether it's one of the upper tiers or the lower tier, it really sets your, your target where you have to be in the right tier. You miss it in the wrong place. You've given yourself a much tougher putt and a much tougher challenge that it's, um, it's just... It gives it rewards accuracy so much more but um that and then the 12th hole which is a really really challenging par five used to be a, lo- a long par four is they're they're probably two of my favorite or at least the standout holes for me mm-hmm. from the holes eight all the way through to to 17 there has been work done on the on the jameson golf links and we've got a video coming out going through all of it which is which is really good so paul walk me through the course talk me through the changes how long it took what it all like what their ambition was for for the changes but 12 also has a, a massive elevation change up to the green complex so the drive is a, is a very very tough drive from 12 it's like i remember it, yeah, 70 yeah. 280 yeah, yards to to where you want to land the golf ball but that's also the narrowest part of the fairway it's really visually intimidating um but then the hard work has only really begun then because you have another 240 yards to the green. So you have an option. Do you hit like 170 yard shot, 180 yard shot, leave yourself just short of the, of this big elevation change to a really, really hard, again, be a Ritz style green. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was hard to keep the ball up there. Like I think I had a flick 
I'm a little wedge and I was like I was actually very dumb. I was like where how are we gonna stop this? Like it's gonna be a really tough challenge for for older members, uh like people that can't get the goal, golf ball quite as high. Like they're gonna to have to try and find ways of running the golf ball up. And now like there are ways obviously that's been taken into account when the course was designed and when the hole was designed, people can do that. So it's it's a really, really tough challenge. It's a really good three shot par five um and it's just it's again you get up into that point and it's at the same kind of height and level of elevation as the ninth ninth tee and ninth green that you can look all the way around you can look all the way when you're standing on those parts of the course you can see the old port marnock golf club you can see dublin port you can see the wicklow mountains you can see our houses basically in the far distance it's the it's the first point the ninth tee is the first point in the entire round where you get that sense of elevation I always find that when it comes to golf courses and, and links golf course design in particular, a sign of a really good links golf course for me is you get the sense that the ocean is present. Now for the first eight holes, you don't see it. It doesn't come into play, but its presence is, 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 is always there. You can always know that the ocean is there. You can hear it, you can smell it, you can see it. And I've always find that that plays into a really strong links course. So that when you see it on the ninth tee and again on the 12th green and again on the 15th and and the 16th and the 10th tee it's it's like a little reprieve where you know that it's kind of building up to this point it never comes into well, i mean it sure it does come into play at some points if you are wild off the tee but Which to, I to, to <laughs> see the ocean and then to, then to go out and see when you're at those points you can see ireland's eye you can see like i said dublin port and the rest of it it just breaks it up to make it a really nice experience where you go like we get on a lovely sunny day like like what we did or like when i did when i was playing with paul you take a moment and you look around and you're like this is just like there's very few places you'd rather be than on a good golf course in a place like this yeah what i like about it it's not just like it's like you know some of you play links courses and you're just straight nine out straight back everything is there's a little bit of crisscross which yeah. you know which i really really like on it because you don't feel like it's just boring um oh, we're heading out we're heading back in there's a little bit of crossover and you're going oh what green what green is that or is that is that t-box going to that hole yeah. and there's a little bit of quirkiness and i love the like i know i love the the, the the name change i think it was i think number one i think it was obviously in portmarnock but it was constantly being compared and linked with the other one where actually as a standalone golf course it's nice to be separated because it's well worth like it's a for a terrific golf course, and I think it was being compared in a weird way, and I think now it's it's gonna kind of gets get its credit where it deserves. The second oh, thing 100%. is, and I think the second thing is, I love the little bit of history that it was on Jemison land, and it's a little throwback to that historic thing as well, and it it, it makes people look into then the history of it. Okay, well, how long has this? it's been here for a long time? It's a you know, it's not a. I don't, I don't, year old you know but there is an actual history on what it was used for and who for owned sure. it and it gives i think it gives that another little more credibility to it um and then like if anyone anyone who knows you loves a glass of whiskey so i think for you to try and beat anyone on a jemison golf links uh and have a whiskey in the bar afterwards it's pretty much heaven golf heaven for you it's for me it's combining two two of my favorite things really golf and golf and whiskey and and you're dead right like the the name change to jameson golf links wasn't it's not a brand or marketing excuse me it's not a brand or marketing exercise john jameson the third who's the grandson of the jameson distillery founder the whiskey founder uh in the 18, 1847 bought the house and bought the land back then it was like countryside 
you know, Port Marnock was not in the city. Mm. Um, and so the family were, were, were keen sportsmen. They used the land for lots of different things. And then his son, so John Jameson IV, built the golf course, was, a key, was mad into sports. And his, him and his brother, Willie, were like, the, John Jameson III was the one, the first president of Port Marnock Old. So like their, their relationship with golf in Ireland is is very 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 strong not just across mm. their own golf course but across obviously golf in ireland mm. and so on the first hall on the right hand side of the fairway very similar to like ballybunion is there's there's a cemetery there's the old marnix chapel there and john jameson the fourth his brother willie and his john jameson's wife are buried there and like it's really nice that there's still that sense of jameson family that. it's yeah. not just like yeah. they used to be here a while ago like you still get the sense that they are still here and definitely I took completely agree with you. I think the Jameson links as a name is fantastic. Um, I think it will make the golf club stand out on it in, on its own right. It's like, I think, I think we're talking about it as if people don't already understand that it's a great, great golf course. Um, that's not the case at all. It's a fantastic golf course. And now I just hope people don't compare it to Port Marnock old at all, because this is just a, such a fantastic experience. Yeah, and like I think like I know like golfers know it's good and then that, but like it's also for tourists coming in. I think it's it, it it's pretty cool. It it just sets it apart, and they put a lot of work into it. And we we did a pod on it during the summer when we played it. How much money was spent? How much effort was was taken in? How much thought went into each of the holes? Um, but like like I said, it's just it's so good to see it. Like I think they did a really good job. Like they could have wasted money. They could have. They could have made mistakes on names. They could have made mistakes on writing and on changing things that didn't need to be changed. I think they've done a really, really good job. And I think when we spoke to, you know, to them, they were like the members were actually really happy with with, with everything. And and that's the kind of most important thing. But uh, I know what I'll probably end up getting you for Christmas a little Jameson Golf Links, uh, you know, tea bag or something uh, or you know valuables page because I just think it's I just I love I just love it. I love the name. I think it's really cool. Yeah, so we're going to have a video uh, coming out on that very soon, the next couple of weeks or so. So make sure to watch out, keep an eye out for that. We'll be also giving away a four ball to play the Jameson Golf Links as part of that. So we'll probably keep an eye, keep. So we'll probably run a competition for that. We're coming up on 1,500 YouTube subscribers, so it might be a competition to subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, all that good stuff. And yeah, we'll be giving away uh, like those... <sighs> That, that that experience to play the James and Golf Links is is honestly so much fun. And I think at the time that you I, and I, I played it and when I yeah. played it with Paul were were two of my favorite rounds of the year. I think if 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 you text me and said that you know did I want to play the James and Golf Links tomorrow, I'd be I'd be so happy. Like I'd literally be yeah, I'd be, I'd be I'd be giddy. I'd be excited. Yeah. Like it's 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 one of those golf courses that you do get very excited to go and play. That's I guess enough talk about our own golf and what we've been up to. There's been a fair bit going on from the PGA Tour side. So a friend of the pod, Eric Van Royen, won his second PGA Tour event, um, the Worldwide Technology Championship in Cabo. But um, I think people have seen at this point the the post round interview that that he 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 made with with um with Golf Channel and and the likes that this win meant so much more than just the winner's check of what one and a half million quid and the spot in the Masters. Uh, a long-time friend of theirs, John Trasimer, was uh, diagnosed a while back 20, uh, with with uh, melanoma, with cancer. He he went into remission. He beat it there for a little while. But then on the Tuesday of the tournament, uh, Eric and his caddy, uh, who went to college with John Trasimer, like they were college teammates, college, college friends. They played the same golf team together. So like they 
they knew each other intimately well um mm. on the tuesday of the tournament so the van royan got a text to say that um john's cancer had returned and unfortunately had spread throughout his entire body he went on van royan went on to to win the title up but he was saying that every shot that they made over those four days was was for him and you know, it was really, really like even the way he went about the win was was so clutch with the with the making the eagle putt and then a really, really good three one into eighteen to to win it. Um, he made the, he did the interview afterwards and he uh, understandably got really, really upset and really, really emotional. Yeah. Like we and his yeah. caddy was his caddy was very emotional. They had like the JT written on the on on the on their golf balls and stuff like so. It, it it was like from looking at it, you know. I know, I know, you know, and you've spoken to him a good number of times. But like, it was very emotional. It was, it was gut wrenching, and you could see how much going to be losing his friend was meaning to him. How 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 much it hurt it, it was hurting him. Um, um, and putting that to to one side, you know, it just shows that how big sport is, how emotional it is, how we love to see that emotion. Um, as good wrenching and, and that's how sorry you felt for him. I just couldn't, I couldn't look away and I was so invested, you know, I was obviously more, I was invested in him anyway, but I was so invested into listening to him talk and what it meant to him and and how he went through. And um, if anyone hasn't seen it, it's well worth, I think it's like a two, three minute clip of, of talking and, and and you really see what not only golf had given to him and got like, they were friends because of golf. They had played together. They were really, really good friends. And how the thing that was helping him through his already starting to grieve was being with his caddy, his friend, yeah. you know, playing golf. Um, they were they were there to support each other and kind of like, yeah, grieve, grieve with each other um, during the tournament, which was nice. But even in the after after the in the post round interview, he said that Monday night they're flying straight over to to see him and to be with him because like he he was very honest in saying that. Who cares if I win a stupid trophy right now? Like that's that's not what's important to me. I'm here because this is my job and I have to be here. It was nice to do this for him and and to to, to dedicate a win to him. But when we had when we had uh, Eric on the podcast a couple of years ago, a little over a year ago, he was always a very sincere sincere guy and a very open, honest, and emotional person. Like I remember when we spoke to him about him missing the Masters he he talked about how bittersweet it was to to be sitting on the couch there with his wife and his and his new baby and he should have been in a very happy place personally because he just had a child he's you know in a great place but all he could think about was how he he felt pretty much like a failure for not making that masters and he's he's taken that to heart and he he's always a very emotional player sometimes probably that gets the better of him when he gets a little bit angry but but that's also what we love about sports people is we 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 care about them because they care so much you know like the yeah, see like, this personal insight into someone like eric van royan you're only ever going to root for him more because you know what he's playing for and you know what it means to him compare that to someone i won't, won't name names but you care that compare that to someone who's only in it for for the money or for whatever or for themselves yeah. you're always going to root for for a person like Eric and I remember like he was very very good and he still talks to us on Instagram whenever we whenever we message him or congratulate yeah. him on a good week um he's a very sincere person and, and to have you know obviously to be going through a very very tough time now at the moment is personally very very hard but you know <laughs> it, it makes more people want to root for him 
Yeah, that, and, and uh, I can be honest, like, and I, we've said this in our times, do we really, we're not going to remember in a year time who won the Worldwide Technology Championship in Cabo. Okay, it was a Tiger Woods course. You and I aren't going, all right, who will be back and who thinks going to win? But now, you know, you see him win that and you you hear the kind of stories and then you go, okay, wow, like, this is why we watch sport. This is why we want to be involved in it. It's why we want to talk about it. And now, like, and I think one of the other things I think was like the golf he played was so good, like so good. And you can see being in that bubble with all that going on and him still be able to, like he was 125th in the FedEx Cup standings program in there. Yeah. He, he, like he'd he, love like, to fight for it anyway. He, like he had to make sure like he was possibly on the verge of losing his card. And then he goes and he, okay, this happens to him. And he gets in the bubble with his caddy and like some of the shots he played, like his fairway wood he hit. Onto the the par five, yeah, on, eighteen, uh, yeah. Oh my god, like what a shot! And then like, and then you know he gets himself in the Masters with this as well. It's just it as you said, it's more than the one point two five million or the trophy. It's 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 that's irrelevant. It's it's it, all the other stuff around it. And I was absolutely delighted for him to get his win. Um, and hopefully you know, you know, hopefully he can he'll kick on now next season and 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 use you know, all of this as as fuel, you know, to, to go on a bit of a run. Yeah, absolutely. So isn't congratulations to Eric Van Royen. Um he obviously doesn't care at the moment at this point. He's <laughs> he's with his friend. He he does not care about this trophy in any way. But I think I think but I thought bringing the trophy to his friend is is gonna be a nice one. Let's just sit they'll share a beer and you know they'll talk about old times and he goes, you know, is a trophy here that, you know, something we want like it's 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 nicer walking in there with a trophy to chat to his buddy than saying I missed the cut. <laughs> so For sure. I, I played like crap, you know, and they get to talk about some of the shots and you know, whatever. It's it's uh it's it's it, it, hopefully it's a, they'll have some time together and have a have a good time. Absolutely. Um from one winner to another, poor Carrington. Just the man does not know how to lose. <laughs> it's it's I, actually I, it's actually outrageous. I, I was thinking, so I was, I, I, this came up when I was like, I saw he was in the hunt, so I was checking and flicking in and out. And then I listened to his post-match press or his, his after when he won, and he was saying he was chasing a 59. Like, I'm going to, did he go on this Legends tour way too early? Like, is, are we looking at going, okay, yeah, you're winning, but you should still be fighting for other stuff. Should he still be on the DP World Tour? And like, is, is he is he in that retirement league for want of a better word way too early that I'm kind of he's winning but I'm not that I'm I'm kind of going yeah if you're ten years older I'm so impressed yeah like you know if I, but right now I'm kind of like you should you could easily win on the world tour right? has he gone too early yeah I I you know I probably think he has like he shot sixty four on the final round to win his sixth PGA Champions Tour title like it's his second win of this season. Maybe, like he's, he, maybe yeah. he's going to play in like the bigger DP World Tour events. Like, you know, he's not going to play in South Africa the next two, next week or so because, you know, it's, it, to be honest, it's a smaller field event. He's not going to play in those yeah. stuff because the money's better on the Champions Tour. But, it, maybe, but like, maybe maybe he will play like your, you know, the Abu Dhabi or the or the Dubai swing at the start of the year because they're bigger events and a bit more prestige, bigger fields, better fields. Um. But maybe it's a bit more of an indictment of the where of where the DP World Tour, Tour is that he's just like, well, the money's better on the Champions Tour. Yeah, it is like he's third behind Stricker and um, 
he's like he's third in the in the season long standings. So like, and I'm just thinking like, are we? If he had been putting more energy and being on deeper world tour or P- PGA like PGA as well, like I'm sure he is. I'm sure he could easily rack up points to be in some of them. And I know he didn't play; he was amazing in in the majors. But I'm like, he's. I think he's just caught between the two, and he's not giving either the full whack. Like if he played no majors, no deeper world tour, and went full on into Champions Tour, he'd completely clean up. He he'd clean the whole place out of everything. Yeah. But then I'm going, yeah, okay, but then should he have should he stay and go, I'm gonna grind a little bit longer and still keep up with the big lads, with the big boys. Like his swing speed is faster than it is, his driving distance, his driving distance is, is kind of higher than it was before. Yeah, we know he can win. I don't I don't know. It's like and I, I the part of me is like, is he gonna in five years' time look back and go, shit, I could have won a like I could have I could have won a good few more, you know, big, big trophies, but I kind of half was at it. Yeah, maybe. Like he did say at the start of the, or earlier on in the season before the Ryder Cup that he wants to be the oldest winner on the DP World Tour. Like that's a, a target that he has set. So maybe we will see him play play more. Um, I just don't know. He's, he's your neighbor. Go up and ask him. Yeah, I just never not him. Knock on the door. Why, why is this really random guy with a really bad November mustache banging <laughs> on my gate asking me stupid questions? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, like it'd be great to see to see him on the on the P- DP World Tour. But there aren't enough Irish guys on the DP World Tour at the moment. Yeah, there's not. I think well, but hopefully there's there's lads knocking on the door to, to get in there, and I think maybe next year the few those lads can get their card and and get in. Yeah, hopefully. So I guess talking about DP World Tour, final stage of DP World Tour Q School takes place this week. Uh, there are f- a couple of Irish in there including rory mcgee and kilkenny's own friend of the pod friend of mine mark power they secured their places in the final stage um unfortunately ron malarney who was on the podcast last week let's not use this as some kind of like case study he missed out on it by one shot which it's is uh wrenching that's gotta be tough to take but like like i was saying to him as well he's also got a challenge tour card locked up this season and he does well there. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of invites going his way on the DP World Tour. But Mark Power came through. Like we spoke about this, we actually had a chat with Mark. I had a chat with him earlier this morning uh, about not only his the qualifying school, but we had. It's been about a year or so since I spoke to him properly. So we had a chat about him finishing up college as an amateur, playing the Walker Cup, turning professional, playing his first ever professional event at the Irish Open at the K Club making the cut so that's a really good chat that's coming up later on this podcast but mark came through a seven-man playoff to take one of four spots up for grabs for the final stage and uh yeah we went through three holes to, of the of the of the playoff it was like a four ball and three ball i asked them do they play a playoff as a seven ball because that would have been just absolute chaos they yeah. don't i think they should have but they don't um so uh they are over at q school at the moment so that starts at six rounds over two courses in the next uh, week or so. Yeah, next week, um, which is going to be insane. But yeah, hopefully now, um, Mark's obviously good friends. He's represented by the same people that like John Murphy and Tom McKibben are, are represented by JMT Sport. So hopefully we're going to see Mark on DP World Tour. He's got the game. Like he's just, I know people have been talking about Tom McKibben being being a player, being the kid. Um, yeah. Mark, Mark Power for me is a, such an all-round talent like he i i've been playing with with mark. yeah yeah you've played with him up close so like it's yeah. it's a pretty good 
kind of assessment. Like Mark Stolsey, um sponsored by Mount Julia. He's from Kilkenny. He grew up in Kilkenny Golf Club. Practices Mount Julia all the time. I I saw Mark on the driving range at Mount Juliet last week after I was getting my fit in. We were talking for for ages. We played together for years. He's always hit the golf ball so far. He's bulked up. He's hitting the golf ball further and straighter now than he ever has. His short game is is really 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 good. That for me, he's just like a, he's such an all round talent that um I I think if he gets on tour this year for twenty twenty four, he has a, such a good chance of not only keeping his card but winning. Like he is. He is that good. I'm I'm that bullish on him. He's he's got the ability to to win a lot. Yeah, like and I, I think the fact he's seen, you know, Tom win as well. Like I, from his point of view, like you know, Tom like Tom can win. It's just it, it gives every Irish golfer that that extra bonus to go. Like yeah, like Tom Tom can win. Why can't we? You know, yeah. you know. It's so. I think. There's a couple of lads, as you said, around there with Mark that are like really, really hoping they kick on now and 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 get find a run of form and 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 get well. But they need a bit of luck as well, you know. You do need, and I think even Tom would say he'd be the first one to say, or Harrington, Shane, they'll all be the ones to tell you. You need a bit of luck as well, so hopefully they get it. Yeah, and I guess just to talk about the other side of it as well, like for every for every Mark Power or Roy McGee that are into the final round of Q School, you know, Nal Carney missed out, Ronan Mullarney missed out, Paul McBride missed out, John Murphy is now going back to Challenge Tour after a year on the DP World Tour, he's lost his card. Rob Moore in the amateur, he was trying to get into Q School as well. He missed out on the final stage. He's an amateur, so he's probably going to go do another year on that. He won the close mm. this year. He's very, very good golfer as well. So for every success story, there are three guys that that just miss out by by one so it's it's a it's a tough slog but the margins are so 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 fine you know but like mark like i said we were i had this conversation with him for about half an hour he's just such a good talent that he's got such a good head in his shoulders both his mom and dad were elite amateur golfers as well like he comes mm. from a pedigree of of golf and sporting sporting ability like he's he's gonna for me he's gonna do really really good things yeah, I think that might be it for the podcast then this week. Like I said, uh, Mark Power is coming up next. We sat down with him. It's He's at the final stage of Q School. We got some good insight into his preparation for such a big week, but also just what he's been up to for last year. Now, guys, I'm delighted to say that I am joined by one of Ireland's newest minted professional golfers. He's joining me live from DP World Tour final stage Q School. Mark Power, how are you? Hi, Johnny. Uh, all good, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, looking forward to this week now, and Obviously, a lot of stake, but um, excited to get started. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about this this week upcoming for you, but um, it, I guess there's been a lot going on in in your world since we last caught up properly. Um, you've finished your your final se- final year at Wake Forest, had a very successful year again, and then turned professional. You also played the Walker Cup. You won a St Andrews Trophy in that time as well. Um, have you had a chance to look back over the last twelve to fourteen months and just? enjoy what you've achieved yeah no definitely um over the last couple of weeks and kind of month i've definitely had a bit of time to to finally reflect on the last while because it, it was pretty hectic you know a post walker cup um you know starting off my professional career it was all good it was a lot kind of packed into a fairly short kind of spell of time um but it was nice to just have those last few weeks to get a bit of time at home weather wasn't great so you can have a couple of days at home just doing nothing 
to really reflect and think about how great the last you know couple of years has been for me like obviously get to go to Wake Forest uh such a you know um prestigious college not even just for golf but in general so to have that full round experience was great and it definitely I suppose prepared me great for a professional life and I feel pretty comfortable so far and um you know it started about as good as I could have hoped for I mean realistically so um look I'm really enjoying it and you know, it's always been my main goal to be a professional, so uh, it's great that I'm here now. It seems like you enjoyed every aspect of, of college life over in Wake Forest, not just, obviously, the goal, like you're saying, was always to be a professional golfer, but from from what I followed on, on Instagram and the likes, it seems like you, you really loved your time over there. Yeah, it was great. Like, I mean, I'm a huge sports fan, so uh, it didn't take long for me to kind of get hooked on, you know, basketball, football, uh, it's just completely different culture over there, but it's it's great. Like, and as a sports fan, you know, it's it's such there's so much going on, and I suppose everyone on my team and a lot of my friends were, you know, had same interests. So we just really had so much fun, you know, going to the games, uh, watching games, just uh, and then obviously just taking in other aspects of American life. Like, I really enjoyed it. I mean, going over, I wasn't really sure how I'd, you know, fit in as such, but uh, you know, within a matter of weeks, I felt really at home. And I suppose that's part of the place at Wake Forest. It's such a welcoming place. Like it's, you really feel like you're part of a family when you get there. It's a fairly small college. Um, you know, there's a lot of great people there. So, um, you know, I'm really lucky that I found a place like that. And, you know, I definitely miss it. Like it's, it was, you know, so many good memories from there. Do you think you'd ever get, get the opportunity to go back and use practice facilities or is that done now and that that part of your life I imagine the next part of your life is just going to be tour venue to tour venue really hmm. yeah I mean there will be times where I'll have have time off and you now Wake Forest is, is very much you know once you leave you're still part of the family like you can come back and practice and you know they're happy to welcome you and um, you know meet meet new guys in the team and you know share some experiences with them like I mean guys have come back Cam Young, Will Zalatoris you know, Webb Simpson, Bill Haas, some of those guys, like they've come back to, to college, they've spent time there and, you know, hopefully uh, I can get to a, a name like those kind of guys and, and come back and see the guys coming through then. So when you went away for us first, you had a very, you hit the ground running, you got a couple of individual wins in your first year, a couple of team wins as well. Going into your final year then, um, Alex Patrick was a good friend of yours. Obviously, he went off, turned professional, enjoyed quite a good bit of success now already professionally. What was that final year like for you when you saw a close friend of yours going off and achieving as a professional? Uh, did it kind of set targets for you for your last year as an amateur? Yeah, it was definitely encouraging. Um, like Alex actually still lived with me uh, his first year as a pro. He kind of based himself at Wake Forest and oh, kind no of way. from there. So. You know, I was when he was coming home, I was getting the full kind of breakdown of how every event was going and, uh, you know, kept in touch with him a lot. So it was very encouraging to see him, you know, do so well. And, um, you know, he was, you know, telling me exactly how things were going. So I, I got a, I guess you could say a front row seat to his his first, you know, year as a pro. And, uh, you know, he's really hit the ground running. And, you know, we knew it was coming. Like, he's, he's such a talented player. His short game is some of the best I've ever seen. And, you know, his long game isn't too shabby either. So he's kind of a full <laughs> package. Um, but no, it's it's good. Like, you know, I know I've competed with alongside him and um for what, three, four years. So uh, you know, it, it gives me a good boost to know that, you know, if I can try and hit the ground running as well, that I have a chance to to start off hot. And, you know, he's got his card already and um, 
you know, he's he's had made some nice checks so far. So if I can kind of follow suit, I'd be pretty happy with that. Did that give you any kind of motivation to to finish your final year on a high? Obviously, you made the Walker Cup team. Like seeing your friend succeed, how much did that push you on? Motivate you? Yeah, last year, like Alex had a couple of nice wins his last year, and that was my main goal to get another win and you know try and perform well for the team. Uh, luckily, I, I got a win early on in my final year, and uh, I was a little disappointed maybe not to follow that up with another one. But I mean, I felt like I had some good performances in in other big events. Um, not quite as I wasn't quite firing uh, exactly how I wanted to, but you know, it's golf. Like I felt like what I was doing was correct, but just getting into tournament, it just wasn't quite clicking. And I suppose when you try and force it or when you're putting a little bit of extra pressure on yourself, um, it just doesn't make it any easier. But I knew the work I was doing was going to, um, you know, stand to me. And I feel like it, it has so far. I feel like under pressure situations, my game seems to be stepping up a lot re- recently, which is really satisfying. Uh, like even last week in the playoff, um, I was nervous, but some of the shots I hit were really, you know, encouraging to see. Um, so it, sometimes it might not happen at the moment, but down the road, hopefully you get the reward. Yeah, it builds that muscle memory for you that when it comes to time for you to yeah. rely on it, you know it's there for sure. Um, exactly, yeah. So I guess from when we first had you on the podcast nearly four years ago now at this point mm-hmm. to, to now, one physical change that I was noticing you is you've got a lot bigger. You're you're also grown a lot taller, but you've bulked up a lot. Is that was that a that was something that you were working on to get to get a bit more distance because you always hit the ball miles. So is that is that has that been the plan? Just that, that been a con, con, considerate decision? Has it? Uh, I guess I didn't really have much of an option to be honest. When I we went, when we went to America, uh, I soon realised that the half six workouts in the morning were compulsory and I had no other option to go. So uh, it was definitely a bit of a, an eye opener because like, I would have played a lot of sports growing up and I was, I was quite athletic, but I was never bulky. Yeah. Uh, so I got a lot of my speed kind of from, uh, I suppose just flexibility and just raw kind of um, just, I suppose speed. But whereas in America, I definitely got stronger and that speed became a little bit more effortless. So, I didn't have to quite uh, quite turn sharp, and uh, I feel like it's definitely made me a straighter driver. Then I can I still have the speed, but I can just control it in a better way. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, that's made you those... straighter because usually you hear people going down like bulking programs and the opposite effect, where you're like, yeah, I've hit the ball a lot further, but it's just you know that dispersion's got a lot yeah. wider. Yeah, no, I just think that I probably just my muscles have have gotten a little stronger, so I don't have to maybe hit it as hard or be as out of control to hit it the same distance and a lot of that we have to give credit to to coach David Bass at Wake Forest he was you know one of the great mentors we had like he was he was really good he was so knowledgeable about the golf game and he knew you know exactly how to work uh, our muscles to kind of build them up in the right and he was great like four years we'd work out three times a week at half six seven o'clock so it was uh, definitely stood to me and I've I've done a little bit of work with Peter O'Keefe when I've when I've come back there um, from college because I obviously want to try and get onto something uh, a little bit more, um, you know, just structured when I've come home. It's easy to go to the gym a couple of times and then maybe yeah. So uh, I'm trying to trying to keep it going because it's it's definitely important, especially for injury prevention and stuff. For sure, you spoke about um, 
stepping up in the big moments and kind of the the, the hard grind that you've been working on over through college step like standing to you i think from all of us watching kind of remotely on on twitter and following the walker cup your final singles match in that um uh, in the walker cup where you came back to to remain undefeated was a moment where i think for those of us watching who we weren't didn't get to be there on site yeah we're following that and we're like this is a guy that's got a lot of grit and has been able to dig deep and, and really pull it back. And there were videos of your celebration there when you uh, when you managed to turn the tide and you could just see what it meant to you. Like how how vindicating was was that week and how special was that week? Yeah, like I suppose when I played the the first Walker Cup, uh, my first one in twenty one in Seminole, um, I suppose we were underdogs and I didn't really know what to expect as such. Like it was you know a huge occasion, but I was probably a little bit. That um, I suppose nearly naive to understand how big it actually was until you get into the heat of battle and, geez, like the nerves I felt in the first tee, like thankfully John John was hitting the first tee shot because I wouldn't have been able to tee the ball up. I'd say like I was just a wave of nerves hit me and I still, you know, I've I've I felt like I've played in some big events since I've turned pro, but I still haven't felt nerves like you know playing in the Walker Cup. Uh, you know, at St Andrews, the home of golf was was unbelievable, and the amount of support we got was was incredible. So, I guess we were feeding off that all week, and we were flying. Like we were, you know, really putting it to the Americans. We led all the way until that afternoon in the singles, and you know, if I wanted to to do well for myself and kind of make a statement for my last seminar career. But we had such a close knit bond that I wanted to, I really want to do it for the other guys as well, and. Uh, suppose when you're playing for something bigger than just yourself it's uh even family and friends were there supporting me it's just i felt like i had so much behind me so to to get those couple of points were really really big and you know you could see the emotion i kind of let let loose when i won the yeah. singles match it was probably one of the worst that kept secrets in golf that you were going to turn professional hmm. after that walker cup what was that decision making process like for for turning pro and like like I said, it was all it was always on the cards. It was always the ambition, but like how because the Walker Cup is so big. How early in your amateur career or how long before the Walker Cup did you go? That's what I that's why I want to be my last event. Yeah, like I I was going to be graduating in the, in May of of this year and. You know, I could have I could have easily turned pro and you know started started my pro career across the summer, and I would have had more opportunities to, I suppose, um, get some more professional events on, under my under my belt. But I knew with the Walker Cup being in St Andrews that couple of months later, I just had a feeling it was going to be such a special week, and you know, there's no really better place to to finish your amateur career at the home of golf. Like I've had a pretty, I broke onto the amateur scene when I was quite young. Like I luckily. Golf, Golf Ireland have been very supportive of me and I've gotten so many chances kind of to break onto that men's panel when I was 15, 16. So I felt like I've been playing amateur long enough that I wanted to go out kind of, um, you know, at a, at a big stage like the Walker Cup and it just just aligned perfectly. And thankfully, um, Captain Stuart Wilson kind of believed in me to, to give me that pick because to be honest, I didn't Playing my very best, like you know, I wasn't exactly a, an automatic pick on the team, but I suppose he knew what I was capable of, and especially in big moments, I like to feel like I step up. And um, 
yeah, just disappointed we didn't. Still, still stings that we didn't get that win in St Andrews. But look, I I took a lot from it, and still one of the main highlights of my amateur career. Oh yeah, of course, of course, it it has to be. So then you turn professional, and and I mean, you make you make a very impressive splash when you, when you mm. have your professional debut, home open, Irish Open, K Club, like. Who gives you that call firstly to say that you've got uh, an invite into that? Because you've played in yeah, what, so three, four Irish Opens before that? Uh, you would have played in four or maybe three, Jesus. I think could have been four. Gal was my first and then played. I like played in three before. Twice. I played in Manchuria twice then. Yes. So it was, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I only found out about an hour after the the Walker Cup. Like uh, my emotions were all over the place. Like, so much release when I won my match, but then I realized that we were we were up short, so I was kind of, you know, disappointed. Uh, but then got my phone, felt my phone ringing, and I, I kind of just looked at it, and it was a, a UK number that I didn't recognize. So I said, I'll just I'll answer. You never know who this is going to be. And um, it was Stuart Cage, the tournament director for the um, for the Irish Open, our uh, player relations he works with for the tour, and he said a spot had come free, and they wanted to give it to me. Um, so I was absolutely delighted. Like I had no idea that I was going to get into the the Irish Open. It wasn't looking likely really up until you know last second, and that was the Sunday before. So uh, I, I suppose my thoughts had to shift fairly quickly onto getting home and um, trying to you know, let, let the adrenaline ru- rush off and and just try and you know focus and realize I've you know I have a job to do now. Like it's 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 different uh, different things at stake now. So uh, quickly shift focus onto you know, Irish Open and um, really performed well. Like, I, I felt great all week. And um, I suppose, again, the support I had was was immense. So it was, it was, I felt like I had, you know, a lot of guys pulling for me. So it's kind of easy to perform then when you feel like, you know, no matter what you do, people are going to be supporting you. Yeah, and I would say as well, there's probably a nice comfort in the first professional tournament you play in, being at home. And of course, you definitely know quite well surrounded by people that you again are comfortable with but i mean at the same time you shoot what 68 71 make the cut one event played one one check earned how how, uh, how comforting was that that was a that was a big one for you yeah like to make that cut was it's just an awkward um situation i felt like it was in the round two because i wanted to you know play aggressive and push but you're always in the back of your mind you're thinking like you know what's the cut gonna be and you know where where do I stand? And it's so hard not to think that way, especially in my first pro event, because I wanted to make the cut so badly. So, I, luckily, I had a good bag man on the bag, Dermot Byrne, and he really helped me stay, um, you know, stay focused in the present. Just try and, you know, make your your mind focus on each shot. And I played quite nice coming in, which was which was encouraging because, you know, it would have been easy to let the occasion just, you know, let my thoughts kind of filter ahead and really stay focused on what I had to do and. Once I made that cut, um, you know, it wasn't just, you know, oh, happy days we've made the cut now. I still had, had some some stuff to gain. and Two days of work as, today. Yeah, exactly. And um, the finish birdie birdie was really encouraging because I had a frustrating last round. I, I felt like I couldn't I couldn't put into a bucket. Everything just find, found a way to fall out or to uh, to stay out. So to, get, to see a couple drop at the end was really encouraging and, you know, saved me some money as well. <laughs> So how did uh, how did Derek Byrne get on get on the bag? Obviously, for people that that, that know golf, he's Leona Maguire's caddy. Um, 
a a brilliant man to get on the bag for the first yeah. first event. How did that come about? Well, he caddied for me in my very first Irish Open in Galgorm uh, back in I think it was twenty seventeen and uh, or was it twenty eighteen? But anyway, he um, he caddied for me there, and I made the cut as my first first made cut, um, you know, in a professional event, and. He obviously had been working for Leona and you know she's obviously doing amazing and um I just saw that he was you know she was obviously preparing for the Salam Cup so you know he wasn't he was free obviously and I just sent him a message and said uh you're already free or if you know someone that could be free because I wanted to get an experienced bag man to for my first event and he said look he was he was free and he was happy to do it and that obviously uh, was a big boost because not only is a really good caddy, he's just a really good person and he's really fun to have alongside. So what's the, uh, that, that, that event, that tournament really had kind of everything for you, had, had chip-ins, had, had, had <laughs> everything really. Um, yeah. Was the dust settled on that? You finished, what, tied for 33rd, you know? Yeah. Good, good, good check at the end of the day, which, you know, that's what it's, that's what it's about now, professional golf. It's about, it's about wins and, and, you know, dollars at the end of the day. Um, yeah, because it was so fast from Walker Cup into the Irish Open, did you did you get a bit of a chance to kind of just take take a breather and and go? This is great because I I also saw that you had like first stage Q school though the next week, so yeah, you didn't really have that much yeah. time. No, I had very very little time. Like I um I stayed with my girlfriend in in Dublin that night on the Sunday, and she dropped me to the airport first thing in the morning on Monday, like uh, something like five a.m. <laughs> And uh, was was off straight off to Austria for for first stage, so like my mind my mind shifts focus very quickly. Well, on things too much, I always looking forward to the next task. So I kind of immediately once that had finished, I obviously enjoyed it Sunday night, and my family and friends were up, so we we enjoyed it for a little bit. But immediately I was focused, like you know, Q school. I have to get through this now and. Uh, I practiced pretty well. Like I didn't overdo it. I only played the course once. I could have played it twice, but I just chose to have a rest day. And luckily, it, it helped because it it turned to be a little stressful on that Sunday of of Q school. I was playing well, but I just again wasn't quite scoring great. And there was a lot of birdie chances, and I was just making a lot of pars. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I don't want to fall outside here. But luckily, I made it with two or three shots. And um, you know, it's all you have to do. You don't necessarily have to win the the uh qualifiers you just have to keep uh ticking the boxes and thankfully i did that that's it yeah you finished high for 16th and that's the thing first yeah. 16th you're through either way you don't get any kind of extra yeah. exemptions for first place mm-hmm. what's what's the q series like because now obviously we're coming up to it now big big week this week final stage q school I don't want to get in your head and say that there's a lot on the line but no one knows how much is on the line more than you so like how does preparation for this week go? Obviously, you went through an incredibly nerve-wracking playoff in second stage last week. Seven guys for four spots. Talk us through talk that final day first before we get into final stage. Yeah, it was... Um, I, I obviously... I knew I had to shoot deep. Like, I, I honestly thought I needed to shoot four or five under. Um, I, I hit 18 greens in regulation and shot three, and I was pulling my hair out walking off the 18 green because, again the way I played, I just felt like, you know, I, I belonged to, to make that final stage, but I just thought it was going to be short and yeah. it was really frustrating. So I, I kind of had, um, you know, I was just having a little bit of a fuss and thinking I'm going to miss by one. I was looking at flights home and this and that. And then I just said, look, 
you never know. Guys could, there's a lot at stake here. Guys could fall to coming in and I might have a chance. And within the hour, I was like, wow, like this is actually looking pretty decent, pretty decent. Um, should probably hit the range and start warming up again. And <laughs> <laughs> luckily, um, luckily, look, it happened, uh, made that playoff. And I think there was seven of us for four spots. So it was, it was quite, quite a, a good chance. Like it wasn't like, uh, I needed to go out and make a birdie in the playoff. I just knew play solid, obviously try and make a birdie, but just, um, you know, just keep it steady. And, uh, I felt like it would do the job and made three solid pars, made hit one of the best five rounds I've ever hit on the third playoff hole. Uh, tricky par three to be fair, two twelve, kind of water long, and hit it to about twelve foot, and par was all I needed. For a playoff like that, the seven of you play off as one group. No, we split into a four and a three, or a I was three thinking and a that. four. That's kind of chaotic. Yeah. seven people on one yeah. team. Yeah, and they were um, they were drawing tees to see like what order people go out in, and like I was after waiting around for about two and a half hours, like I was mad to get going in the playoff. And I and I swore I was gonna I I was trying to watch the the, the tees while they were shuffling them and I swore I had my eye on the number one tee and I kind of go up to pull out the number one tee thinking all right I'm gonna go off first here and just get this done with and I've pulled the seventy so I'm there thinking like Jesus so wait another you know watch everyone hit and just all I wanted to do is just get going I'm a fast player like and um, it was a long playoff like it, it took us about an hour and fifteen minutes to play three holes. But um, but thankfully, uh, you know, worked out and everything. You came out the right side of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So then, uh, you head off then to straight away to sorry, excuse me. <coughs> so then you head off straight away then to final stage Q school. That's played across two courses now this time around. How many rounds yeah. are there? People that aren't necessarily as aware of Q school. Obviously, it gets more and more coverage each year, but it's um. Yeah. It's it's a bit of a slog, but it's it looks like it also looks very entertaining at the same time. I'll be honest, from my position. Yeah, no, it will be. Yeah, there's two courses you play. Um, both course twice. There'll be a cut after four rounds, and then there's two more rounds on one of the courses, the Lakes course. So it's yeah, it's it's you know it's a marathon really. Like it's um, you know you can't you can't have a one. You know normally in a in a big tournament, if you're if you're doing well after three rounds, you're going to be you know, you're going to be up there, but three rounds this week is only half, halfway. So there's a lot, uh, you know, there's a lot, you're going to have to stay patient all week. Like there's a lot that can happen over those, those number of holes. So, um, look, it's the first for me, I've never played a six round event and obviously never played a Q school final stage. So look, I'm just really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm excited uh, after it's kind of back of last week, it was a lot of, um, you know, fireworks kind of in that playoff and got the full experience. I was telling people, Got the full Q school experience first time around, so um, look, I'm not gonna try and big it up to be anything crazy. At the same time, it's still just another golf tournament for me, and um, kind of that approach has helped me in the last number of weeks. So I'll just keep keep uh, taking that along with me. So going from college setup where there's a lot of structure around, a lot of uh, a lot of infrastructure and processes put in place for you between coaching staff, travel, accommodation, all the rest of that. Uh, how have you settled into now being CEO of Mark Power Incorporated? Yeah, it's been good. Um, I suppose I have a great management team in JMC Sports who who helped me a lot with, you know, getting me different starts and sponsors and organizing what I need, anything I really need, to be honest. So 
it's great and obviously my mom my mom is uh is a big help as well she's always there to help me book things because i i hate booking like flights and hotels and stuff so thankfully i have a good team around me to uh to help me out when all i have to do is basically focus on the golf side of things so it's nice but it is definitely different like i suppose i'm a fairly independent person like moving away from home to go to college in america so uh, i'm used to kind of being away and being on the road and i love it i just love going to new places and so i like i like watching netflix and stuff so i have no problem sitting in the hotel room in the evening and just you know watching games or watching netflix so i feel like the kind of tour life isn't uh it's not for everyone but i feel like it'll be for me anyway nice have uh has your mom signed you up for all those different rewards points and stuff like that like marriott's and the, the yeah yeah the, Avias points with Aer Lingus and, and uh, British Airways. Are you, are you on all that? Yeah. Now? Getting that onto that. She's always always telling me to get the miles up and all, and it's just to put in your number and your thing. But I'll, I'll get used to it after a while. <laughs> what are you watching on Netflix? What do you What do you do then when you're in the hotel room now? Yeah, I'm watching a thing called Bodies on Netflix right now. It's uh, it's a pretty. It was just always trending, and I just normally watch whatever is trending because just seem they always seem to be pretty good and. It's it's an absolute just a mind f right now. So I'm kind of in the middle of it. So I obviously have to go out and practice now. I'm looking forward to to coming back and and watching later on. <laughs> Very nice. Well, listen, I know that you have to go out and practice. Uh, you've got a busy busy six rounds ahead of you. Good luck this week. Uh, we'll be rooting for you. And look, we'll be following your career with with a keen eye. So hopefully, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks very much, Johnny. Cheers. Thanks for having me. On the tee. Jack Nicholas. This is the minute the millions around the world have waited for. We will allow you to enjoy all of this. They are dancing in the pubs of Dublin. Harrington with an ace. And we have a shining star at sunset. Rory continues his run to greatness. The return to glory.